And for those who remain here, we will be back in Proverbs today. In fact, we're going to be all over Proverbs today. I'll try to keep those fingers warm, flipping pages. So last week, things did not go as planned. We, you know, because of the water, we didn't meet here. We met at the headquarters and I was preaching a sermon on wisdom and generosity and it was more of a discussion, which I really enjoyed. I like those more informal uh, atmospheres. And I prayed about if I should move on to the next topic this Sunday, but I didn't feel quite settled and done with wisdom and generosity. So I'm preaching wisdom and generosity again this Sunday. But if you were here last week, don't worry. It's not going to be exactly what you heard last week. Um, last week, we looked at just two verses of Proverbs. And we jumped from there into other scriptures in the New Testament, trying to figure out what those two verses meant. This week, I want to do more of a survey throughout all the book of Proverbs. And I have for you a, a batch of principles for wisdom and generosity or wisdom and giving, and then a batch of practices from Proverbs. So we're going to talk again about uh, wisdom and giving or wisdom and generosity today. And before we do, would you bow with me and let's pray together. You know, whenever I'm up here and um, preaching or teaching, you know, as I sit there, I'm reminded of the fact that I really, I have nothing to offer you guys other than what the scripture says and the prayer that God through the word and through the Holy Spirit would do miracles in our hearts. And that's possible. He could really transform us today. So would you bow with me and ask him to perform that miracle in your heart as we pray together? Father, I am often tempted to just launch right into this sermon that I've prepared and thank you for giving us a chance to stop for a minute first to remember what we're doing here, to remember whose words these are. Lord, please speak to us. Please help me not to be in the way of your word and not to distract from it. Help me to serve your people well. Please give us soft heartedness today maybe softer than ever before, to receive your word, to be convicted of our sin, to be transformed in our minds, to be renewed in our minds and transformed as people. Lord, we come before your word humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. So we do not have any one particular passage today. We have several Um before I get into these principles, though, we're going to do the principles first. I have six principles and five practices. So this is an 11-point sermon. Usually I struggle to get done by 12 with a three-point sermon. So I hope you guys brought a bag lunch. No, it's, these are all very straightforward. It's very simple, very common sense. It's really just good reminders. So we're just going to work through them quickly. But before we do... We need to be reminded of where all this comes from, why we're generous. Why are Christians generous? Because it's in our DNA as Christians. Before we look at wisdom about how to think about our money and how to think about giving and all these things, we need to think about Jesus. We need to remember that the, the entire basis of what we're doing as Christians is the fact that we were poor and wealthy God gave to us lavishly through Jesus Christ. That we were unworthy and undeserving and worthy God gave to us anyway lavishly through Jesus Christ. We came to the table bringing nothing. 
but sin and debt. We were enemies of God. In any, any way, even though all that's true, God gave his only begotten son so that we would not die, but have life, those of us who believe in him. So it is in the Christian DNA. Generosity is essential to Christianity. And I would even go so far to say where there is no giving, there is no Christianity. And we could sing songs and study the Bible all day long. But if we're not generous, something is deeply, deeply wrong. Because it's just too central to the heart of the gospel. It's just too central, too close to the heart of what all this is about. So Christians are givers. But we don't want to be foolish givers. And so we look back at the book of Proverbs to gain wisdom on how we ought to give. So I have six principles to share with you. These are principles, not promises. Okay, the book of Proverbs, you should read it like a child sitting with uh, his or her dad, you know, riding down the road. And the dad is just sort of sharing some insight into how life works. These are principles of generally how the world works, the way God created it. It's not a book of promises. It's not a contract. You can't stand before God and say, well, you said here, if I do this, you'll do this. Proverbs is not a contract between us and God. It's just wisdom from a father about how reality functions. Okay, that's especially important for these first two principles. I'll give you two at a time here at first. Okay, number one, givers get. Number The first principle you'll see in Proverbs about giving is givers get. And number two, withholders want. Okay, givers get and withholders want. The key contrast in the book of Proverbs comparison is between those who give and those who withhold. Now, let me read to you from Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. I'm cheating because I have all these printed on my sheet here because there's just too many to flip too quickly. You may just want to write down the references, but you can flip to them if you want. This is Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. It says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Now remember, this is a principle, but generally speaking, the way God's world works, one gives freely yet grows all the richer, another withholds what he should give and only suffers wants. Generally, the principle is whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Now, there's many factors involved in your personal finances. You know, thinking about your personal finances, how complicated it is, how many factors come to bear on how much you have or don't have, how much you need and how much you can give at any given moment. Um, you know, we have inherited financial situations from our parents or grandparents. Unexpected things come up, natural disasters or health issues, layoffs. Um, there, there, it's complicated. Okay, because some of you might be thinking, well, I know I'm generous and I don't have anything right now. I'm a giver and I've not gotten anything. You know, you might be in a season where this principle just isn't happening right now. I don't know. There's, there's many factors. It might be that you're gaining in ways that aren't financial as you give financially. But generally, this is the way it works. Givers get withholders want. The more you give, the more God gives you so you can continue to give. The more you withhold the less God gives you because you're not using it right. And the more you crave, 
It's like, consider yourself an investor and God, when he gives you your body and the abilities you have with your body, and when he gives you your job and the income that comes through it, and when he gives you your home or your car, he's given it to you so that you can invest it, so that you can use it to worship him and to serve people and to make disciples. And generally speaking, when he sees, let's say there's, there's two of us, one of us uses our money, our stuff, all of our wealth for worship and to serve people, giving it, always looking for opportunities to give wisely, to make disciples, you know, giving it to, to the missionaries to go overseas and just super generous. And then the other withholds it all, hoards it all, uses it foolishly on selfish pleasures, blows it on you know, giant TVs, cars too nice to afford, gets into huge debt. Generally speaking, God's going to look down and say, I'm not giving you more. Because you're not investing it well. But I will give you more because you're doing a good job. That's how it works. So principles one and two. Givers get, withholders want. I'll give you the next two in a batch as well. Principles three and four. Givers are adored. Withholders are hated. Givers are adored and withholders are hated. I'm going to read to you two different Proverbs here. One of them is, I'm going to reiterate Proverbs 11.25. Wait a minute, I may have written that down wrong. I think that, let me make sure that's Proverbs 11.25. No, this is Proverbs 11.26. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. And then Proverbs 19.6 says, Many seek the favor of a generous man, And everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. This is how it works. You come into a lot of money, you win the lottery. Your friendship number is going to skyrocket overnight. You're going to be so popular. You think you have a lot of Facebook friends now. Win the lottery and the public gets word of it. You'll be inundated with requests. Okay, the the rich person who gives is adored. People love a generous person. But on the other hand, people do not like a stingy person. Okay, just generally, I mean, this is common sense, but it's good to be reminded. You know, if, if, you, if you get that promotion and you just use it more and more for selfish gain, you're going to turn people away. People don't want anything to do with that. Okay, but the more you use it to pour out and bless people, the more you'll be favored. Now, it's not always going to be genuine. Many people are just going to, it's going to be... Sometimes, uh, if you've ever been to a third world country, I have just a couple of times, I don't know if I'd call it a third world country. Actually, the time I remember it most was in Brazil. Um, they told us when you get out of this bus, you're going to be, there are going to be children swarming around you with their hands out and, and you're, they're going to look really poor and you're going to want to give to them, but don't. And the reason they told us not to was twofold. The biggest one was many of those children were being abused and oppressed by someone who was just using them to go and beg money off the rich Americans and the kids weren't getting any benefit from it. But another factor was once you give a little bit, they're going to be all over you for the rest of the week. You're here. You're not going to be able to walk out the door. They're going to be waiting. It's almost like, you know, the stray cats that wandered the neighborhood. If you feed one, if you leave the food out, they swarm, they come, they come, you can't stop it. Um, People, swarm toward money. 
you know, like bugs to bug zappers. You know, for one thing, we need it. And then on another level, we just want it. So you need to know that's how it works. Okay, and we see this principle hold true with the whole 99%, 1% thing. 99% of Americans hate the 1% of Americans because they seem to have all the wealth. They hate, curse the 1%. So givers get, withholders want. Givers are adored, withholders are hated. Okay, these next two are the, the beefiest, the most theological of the two. Principle number five, giving is about God. And I have three Proverbs to share with you to prove this one out. Giving is about God. Proverbs 14, 31 says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Proverbs 17, 5 says, Whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. And Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So you get this idea as you work through Proverbs. The way we treat the vulnerable, the way we treat those who are the most down and out, is the way we treat God. It doesn't just reflect how we feel about God. It is how we feel about God. I think we underestimate how seriously God identifies with the down and out. Remember, Jesus said, you know, what you did for the least of these, you did it for me. He was talking to his disciples and his disciples said, you know, when did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you hungry and feed you? And Jesus said, if you did it for one of these poor folks, you did do it for me. You oppress a poor man, you insult God. You're generous with the needy, you honor God. If you mock the poor, you insult God. If you're generous with the poor, it's like you're lending to the Lord. And he says, he will repay you for the deed. You know, it's like me with my children. You can be really nice to me, but then if you turn around and insult one of my kids or hurt their feelings on purpose or are cruel to them, you didn't just do that to my kid. You did that to me. And that's the way God is with the poor. I think we underestimate how closely he identifies with people who are down and out. So giving is about God. It's not just about you. It's not just about the people. It's not just about your bank account. It's not just about what they're going to do with it. It's about God himself. And the last one, number six, giving is about your eyes. Now, this is a really interesting one. I found a a handful of Proverbs that associated giving with the eyes. And I'm going to read them to you. Read two of them. Proverbs 22, 9 says, Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. A bountiful eye. Proverbs 28, 22 says, A stingy man, a more literal translation of this is, A man with an evil eye hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. There's something about our eyes, our perception, that determines what we do with what we have. It's about our eyes. If, if you right now are a stingy person and you're feeling a tug of the Holy Spirit, you need to be more generous. It starts with your eyes. Do your eyes work in such a way that they transmit the signal to your brain that says, get, get, get. They, they see the nicer house and it says, get, get it, get it. They see the nicer car and it just your eyes just keep screaming to your brain. You need to get that. You need to get more. 
Or do your eyes transmit to your brain, give, give, give? Do they mainly see the needs around you and the opportunities to give, give, give? When, when the commercial comes on TV for uh, getting food to the Syrians who can't get food, do your eyes say, give, give, give? Or are you still thinking about the commercial that came just before that about the new car? And they're still saying, get, get, get. It's about the way we perceive things. And this is really interesting, actually, to me. This uh, clarified something that I've never quite understood that Jesus said. Do you remember in, G- in Matthew 6? I'm going to read it to you. Do you remember in Matthew 6 where Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount and he's talking about not storing up for yourselves riches on earth, but store up for yourselves riches in heaven? And then he says some weird thing about your eyes that doesn't seem to fit. And then he says some more stuff about money. I'll read it to you. This is in Matthew 6, starting at verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, that's a coherent train of thought. But then in verse 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And then he goes on back to money in 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I've never really been clear on what that paragraph about the eyes was about. But then as I'm reading Proverbs, I see that there is a direct correlation between the eyes and the wallet. There's a direct correlation between your eyes and your bank account. There's a direct correlation in how you see the world and how you are with the things God has given you. If you see your money as a tool to use to bless people, you tend to give it. If you see it as a, a tool to use for your own comfort, you tend to withhold it. If you see people as either a means to an end or, or a hindrance in your way, or if you see those who are down and out as lower than you, if you don't see them as made in God's image, then you're going to withhold. If you see them as precious men and women that God made and carefully knit together in the womb, you'll tend to give. So it's about how we see. It's about how we perceive God and ourselves and the people around us. Um, I, I was reminded of this over the holidays. I was at my brother's house and it was all the family was there for Christmas and we were out back in the freezing cold, probably felt about like it does in here right now. And um, I don't remember what we were talking about, but um, my nephew made a joke. I'm not throwing him under the bus. It's, you know, it's not a big deal. We've all made these sorts of jokes. Um, I think he was talking about my brother. And I think my brother had done something kind of ugly in his backyard. Like it was just kind of junky looking at, at some part in the backyard. And he said something like, um, we're, st- we're starting to live like trailer people or something like that. Like we live in a trailer park and it was just his joke. He didn't think about it. It just passed right off his lips. And he was sitting with my mom and many of you have met my mom. I consider my mom to be a very wise woman of God. And, um, the joke was so inconsequential, even to me, I didn't even hardly even hear, I heard it, but I didn't hear it. I wasn't even didn't register, but mom immediately said, there is nothing wrong with people who live in trailers. She said, they are some of the hardest working salt of the earth people you're ever going to meet. 
And just, that's all she said, but she just stopped it and pointed out what's true. And the foolishness of the comment then suddenly became apparent to me. And he might've been thinking, you know, oh, grandma can't even take a joke. And I don't know what he thought of it, but you know, that's wisdom. This, these principles are about wisdom and that's wisdom to see people really for who they really are is wisdom. You know, if you mock people, you're insulting their maker. So it is serious. It was very wise of my mom to stop him there. It was a Solomon kind of moment of saying, no, you know, if you mock them, you're insulting God himself. Givers get withholders want Givers are adored, withholders are hated. Giving is about God. Giving is about your eyes. These are the six most prominent principles as I read through the whole book again this week that stood out. Now, there's also a couple of practices. You know, we want to move from this into action. So this gets into some familiar territory for next week, and I'm just going to breeze over these pretty quickly as well. But there's five points from Proverbs that I saw where we're actually told what to do or not to do. And I just want to share those with you real quickly. The first one, give willingly. Give willingly. You know, therefore, based on these principles, here's how we ought to live. Number one, give willingly. Proverbs 3.27, we talked about this last week. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not withhold good. This should be the the main guiding principle as we think about giving. Don't withhold it. God has given you some good that can bless those around you. Don't hold hold out on people. The, The posture people should think of Christians having should be an open hand. Not an open hand to receive, an open hand to give. That should be our default position. Withholding should be the exception to the rule. I do believe there are times to withhold. You know, the Bible is very nuanced as it talks about this, and there are times to withhold, but generally the rule is give. The exceptions are times to withhold. So give willingly. Number two, give discerningly. From that same verse, Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Now, we spent a good bit of time, actually the entire time last week, trying to figure out who are those to whom it is due. And what we saw last week was there's a sense in which we owe everybody. We owe everybody whatever good we can give them because they're all created in God's image. They're his people. And then there are some especiallys. We, we owe it to everybody. Everybody is due good, especially those who are vulnerable, the poor Widows, the fatherless, orphans, immigrants. These are the categories that God highlights, especially in the Old Testament. We're to give to everybody, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. You read accounts of the early church. There was nobody that needed anything because everybody shared so fluidly in the church. We're to give especially to our biological families. Some of the few exceptions that we see in the Bible are where there's a biological family that should be doing it. So, you know, Paul writes to Timothy about widows. You know, there are some widows that really need help from the church. There are others who have children that ought to do it. So don't step in there and short circuit that system that's already there. Um, 
you know, really the only exceptions that I see in Scripture at, at this point as I've studied are lazy men who won't work within the church. And people, they're not even interested in trying to get a job because there's, there's enough free stuff to go around. Paul says, if they're not going to work, they're not going to eat. You know, we're, we're meant to work. And what I just said, you know, widows are vulnerable people who have family that ought to be bearing that burden. Those are really the only two exceptions to the rule that I could see. But now there's some common sense here. So for instance, if a child, a six-year-old child comes up to me and says, give me a hundred bucks. I'm not going to say, well, for one thing, I don't have a hundred bucks on me, but if I just happen to have a hundred dollar bill on me and a six-year-old child says, give me a hundred dollars, I'm not going to say, well, the principles of Proverbs say to give willingly. Here you go. No, we need to, you know, use our heads. You know, there may be some desire underneath there that I can fulfill, you know, maybe, you know, some teaching or something. It, it may not always be that the right thing is to give money, but we, we are to give good very willingly. And it takes thinking, it takes wisdom, it takes discernment, um, it takes paying attention. Talk to any of our deacons and you'll know how um, gut-wrenching it can be to decide what to do. You know, when you give to the deacons fund, the deacons take very seriously this money that they have to, to in an organized way from the church, bless people. And to try to figure out, you know, who who is do this? How do we operate with this? What do we do when it's a person from the other side of Charlotte that we don't know anything about their situation? Do we handle that differently from the person that we have gotten to know that's, that, uh, you know, we've been able to spend some time with and we know more about, you know, it's, it gets complicated. It's not easy, but we need to give willingly and we need to give discerningly. Number three, we need to give responsibly. So the next verse Proverbs three twenty seven and 28, it says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I'll give it when you have it with you. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. We need to be clear-minded about what we actually have the power to do and what we don't. You know, we live in an age when it's pretty easy to access some money through, you know, credit cards and things like that, where it's an illusion. We don't actually really have the power to be helping like we want to do. And we got to think about what we're capable of. Some of us are in a position of such deep debt that we just need to admit we're, we have no power to help people financially right now. We're enslaved to too many masters through debt. Or some of you may be, you know, so consumed with your responsibility to your wife and children or or, you know, your aging parents. These are real responsibilities that you have that you know you can't go give to this charity like you wish you could because you've, you've got to handle this. So it requires clear thinking about who you're giving to and it requires clear thinking about what you actually can do. This is where a budget comes in handy to actually know what's coming in, what's going out, so you can handle it wisely. Um, you know, Proverbs teaches clear thinking about these things. It's a really helpful book. So give willingly, discerningly, responsibly. Number four, give promptly. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. So if you're willing, and this is a, a worthy cause, it's a person who truly needs it, and you have the power to do it, then do it. Don't hesitate. Don't make people wait. Act quickly. 
Once you're sure and you're, you have a peace you know, before you and the Lord and you know that you can do it, do it. Like, do it now. Some of you may have things in your head that you've been hesitating on even though you know you should do. Do it this afternoon. Give promptly. Give willingly, discerningly, responsibly, promptly. And number five, don't take. Don't take. Proverbs 22, 22 through 23 says, Do not rob the poor because he is poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. Now, this seems like common sense. Don't take, but it's another good reminder. In the way you live, in the way you look at those who are less fortunate to you, in the way you who have businesses look at those in your employee, um, in the way we look at uh, the way we use our votes as we vote on how our state government, local government, and federal government operate, we need to be careful and know the rights of the poor and don't take from them. Okay, and that, that again has all kinds of nuance and complication, but you know, sort of like the Hippocratic oath, do, first, do no harm. First, make sure you don't take from people who are in need already. And then give willingly and give responsibly and give discerningly and give promptly. You know, we, we have these, these principles, givers get, withholders want, givers are adored, withholders are hated. Giving is about God, giving is about the eyes. And we desire to live by these wise practices. Um, but we need to finish this study where we began it with Jesus. You know, we, we are really messed up people from sin. We are naturally very selfish. And that shows itself in the way we use our money and our stuff. And I know I have repenting to do here. I know that you do too. Um, so the way we'll conclude is we're going to sing another song about God and how good he is. Because that's the basis. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. That's the basis for all of this. And while we sing it, just use that time to pray and ask God to show you your heart here, to convict you, to help you to repent of your sin here, to be able to think clearly here, to live this way. Let me pray for you, and then I'll invite Matt to come and lead us. Father, thank you for giving us the book of Proverbs. Well, we want to be wise people, and we want to, we don't want to blow it. You, you've given us so much. We don't want to blow it, and we don't want to be foolish and, and make re- regrettable decisions about what you've given us. So I just ask now that you would be searching our hearts, that you would be humbling us, helping us to repent, or show us the opportunities to give. Help us to be so wrapped up in what you've done for us through Jesus Christ that we become wise givers. In his name, amen.